Welcome to Invest Like an Artist, helping creatives get the knowledge they need for the life they want. Hosted by Candace G. Wiley of The Watering Hole Poetry. Gilbertus Burnett is a financial service representative for New York Life. He can be reached at area code 864-360-6723 or by email at jburnett01 at ft.newyorklife.com. This is Invest Like an Artist, show one, demystifying finances and investing for artists and creatives of all kinds. If you're looking to learn how to empower yourself financially without wading through complicated jargon, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to continue the conversation online using the hashtag InvestLikeAnArtist. So today, I'm super excited to be here in a room with several artists and also with Javertis Burnett, who is, I'm not sure if we can say, he is a financial advisor who works for a company. I'm not sure if we can say the company <laughs> on the show, but I'll let you introduce yourself, JB. Hey guys, my name is Javertis Burnett. Um, I am JB. I am a, uh, I am an independent broker. I'm registered, um, licensed and securities, securities licensed and registered advisor. Um, and also a certified financial literacy coach and, um, absolutely love talking about this topic and just love meeting super cool people. So I'm super excited to be uh, chatting with you guys for, for a while today. Okay, so today you're talking to us about budgeting, debt pay down, and things like that. So what are some things that we need to know in order to implement a strong financial strategy? Um, so first of all, in order to implement a strong strategy, we actually have to have one. Okay, we can't implement what we don't have. We got some and it sounds today, and it sounds super simple, but we actually have to have um, something that's going to guide us that we're going to commit to. Now, what I uh, what I will not say is my strategy is the only strategy or the best strategy because it's not. The best strategy you can have is the one that you'll actually commit to and stick to. What hmm. I am um, anticipating doing today is just giving you some ideas of what has worked for me and others and what might work for you. Okay. Okay. So let's kick it off. Um, what are some things that we need to know in order to find a strategy that works for us? Awesome. So any strategy that you're going to incorporate needs to have a couple of components, um, in my opinion. And I'll, I'll kind of walk you guys through those uh, step by step. And uh, if you, you have any questions or anything, definitely don't hesitate to, to ask. But I think number one, we actually have to have some form of spending plan, um, some form of budget. Some A lot of people don't like budgeting or that term budgeting. I don't either, but we need to have a spending plan. We need to know exactly where our dollars are going. Many times we, we can't find opportunities to save or pay off debt or do all those other things that we want to do because we just don't know where our money's going today. So the first step, and in developing any type of strategy or any type of plan is I need to first know exactly where my dollars are going. Once I know where those dollars are going and what we're, what they're actually doing, then I can begin trying to put a foundation in place. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends that are, that are in the architectural world or engineering world. Uh, and 
one of the things that you'll never see happen is that you'll never see a building go up without first having a secure foundation laid. Mm -hmm. So once we actually know what our budget is and we have a game plan for saving and paying off debt, we need to start securing some foundations. And what I mean by that is just setting the base level work. Um, if there's anybody, if you have a parent, a child, a spouse, anybody that, that depends on your income, you need to be insured. Uh, you need to have quality health insurance, need to have quality life insurance, uh, you need to have long-term disability, uh, and uh, need to be thinking about uh, your long-term long -term care strategy. That's some stuff we can talk about another day, but you need to be thinking about those things. What happens to me if I die too soon, live too long, or I'm unable to work for any reason? What does tomorrow look like for my family or those people who depend on my income? So that's the second step, that we would secure foundations. Um, along with those those uh, insurance items for securing the foundation, we also, in the foundational pieces, where we also develop our emergency fund. And so that initial emergency fund need to be at least a thousand dollars. Just having that foundational one thousand dollars puts us in a position to where things that were once major emergencies are now only simple inconveniences. And uh, we get out of the whole panic mode or surviving mode and can start transitioning over to the thrive mode. Um, Candace, I got a couple of more steps in this thing, but any questions or anything you want to chime in or add there before I go forward and keep laying out what I think are some uh, a, a good strategy? Yeah, we have a question. Is there a difference? Did you hear that? No, I did. Is there a difference between a spending plan and a budget? No, there's not. There's not a difference between a spending plan and okay. a budget uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think that's a question. If you ask different people, you might get different answers. Uh, what I, I like the term spending plan is because I'm letting you guys know, like, hey, we want to have some fun in our budget. We want to have, you know, eating out, whatever those things are. We want to have opportunity and room for that stuff. We want to spend those funds. But we want to be governed by a set amount. So for me, those terms are interchangeable. Uh, budget is more difficult for some people to stomach. If you can stomach the word budget, then great. Um, if you're one of those people that's like, oh no, budgets are restrictive and they're the they're the evil, you know, they're they're all this, then let's just go with spending plan. You get to spend all that money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ari? Yeah, um, so considering the fact that different people have different circumstances in their lives which might constitute I cannot that question. You're gonna to have to repeat them because I can barely okay, hear so them. Okay, so how do you, how do you? So once you hit your thousand dollars, how do you know that that's gonna be enough? What if the AC goes out and that's a three thousand dollar expense? So, so that's a great question. The thousand dollars is just the starting point. We don't know if it's gonna be enough to solve all the world's problems, but it, I know that a thousand dollars is gonna be more helpful to me in solving that problem than nothing at all. So that's just the initial starting point. That's not the long-term end-all, be-all goal. 
but it's a good starting point. Now, if you're beyond that, if you're already saying, hey, I have a thousand, what's next? Uh, we're going to get to that as we talk through. So that's that's a great question. And no, a thousand dollars is not the set, be all, end all, but it does um, it does give us a little cushion there to where a flat tire, an unexpected bill that something we put on auto draft that we totally forgot about, all of these things doesn't throw our life off track. But that's a great question, and I, and I think we'll answer that. Hopefully, we'll answer that more in detail as we go through the rest of these steps. Okay, so what do artists in particular need to know when it comes to creating a spending plan, creating insurance uh, protection, and building the emergency fund? There, there are three things in particular that I think artists need to know when it comes to all of these things. Number one is that if we actually have a strategy in place, it, it will work if you work the strategy. If you have a strategy in place, I promise you, it will work if you work it. That's the first thing I think um, artists need need to know. The second thing is uh, we have to secure our own oxygen mask first before we try to help other people. Any of you guys taking flights recently? Show of hands. Anybody gotten on a flight recently? Right. So the, the, the flight attendant comes on, and what do they say? In the event of an emergency, Please secure your own oxygen mask first before attempting to help others. And while I am deeply connected to the arts world um, and I have a great passion for what you guys do, I am connected with a lot of artists. And there's a theme that I run across in a circle that I'm connected in is that we're all trying to be that, that, that pillar for our family, you know, we're traveling, we're writing, we're doing all this amazing stuff. And the people close to us, many cases, think that, you know, oh, wow, you just went to XYZ or you just got paid to come do this. You're, you're rich. You're loaded. You need to help us. And just trying to really realizing that I have to be secure first before I can start giving of myself. Because otherwise, I'm giving the worst parts of myself away. And we really need to focus on securing our own oxygen masks first, being secure, financially and stable first ourselves before we start trying to assist others in putting on their oxygen mask. And the third thing that I would say for artists is um, is, 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 is kind of dual purpose. I guess I'll split them up into, into, into two separate. The third would be um, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, like, you know, I know people personally in the arts world who feel some type of way because they're kicking against the, the grain as far as, you no, know, I'm not going to be a starving artist. I'm not going to be, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's not going to be my, my fate. I'm not going to be a starving artist. And, but then mentally they have some challenges that they have to overcome just to be comfortable to say, Hey, I'm a financially savvy, financially stable artist. Who's not starving. You know, and that can be uncomfortable for some of us. And I want you guys to get really comfortable being uncomfortable and being the very best first version of yourself and not dimming your light so that somebody else's light can shine. Mm. Like, get comfortable in that spot. And then on top of that, I guess that would go along with that, the fourth and final thing is shift your mentality. Like, there are, I don't see starving artists in that room. I don't see any starving artists in that room. And so understand that your gifts are amazing 
that your talent and the quality of work you produce is not subpar and you shouldn't be treated as such. So it's okay to get paid for what you do. It's okay to allow your gift to bring in income. It's those things are okay and, and shift your mindset to embrace those things as opposed to pushing them away. Yeah. I promise you, you're not going to be less creative just because you have your bills paid on time and you got money in your pocket. Yeah, that's one thing we were talking about last session where it, it uh, basically everybody said like, no, we don't need to suffer for our work. We don't need to starve. Uh, we actually need financial security so that we can be stress-free free and at peace and able to produce this work. So when you're talking about security, how do you, how do you define it? What are some practical ways that we establish security? What are some rules that we should put in place when we make our spending plan? Or, yeah, mm -hmm. great, great, great question. Um, when we're making these things, a couple of things that we should that we should definitely put in place is um, can y'all can y'all hear me? You got a problem? Something? No, keep going. Okay. Um, the first thing we should we should get accustomed to and get used to is that before I pay anybody else, I'm paying myself. Pay yourself first. Pay yourself. First, um, as a rule of thumb, I like to use a minimum of 10% of everything you make needs to go to you. Put it away in a savings account, uh, put it in your, your personal self-paycheck fund, whatever you want to do, but pay yourself first. And if you are if you are a faculty, if you're full-time in some capacity, that goes for every dollar that comes into your personal household. Pay yourself first. Um, I, I suggest 10%. So is this 10% going into savings or is it going into a different bucket? Yeah, I, I would suggest going into a, initially, if you do not have the $1,000 minimum saved up, it goes into savings. Mm -hmm. If you do not have the minimum $1,000 emergency fund, like initial $1,000, it goes into savings. Once we have that $1,000, then uh, we can keep, keep saving and progressing. The ultimate goal um, to our question earlier, uh, the young lady that asked the question earlier, our, our ultimate goal is we want to really have at least six months worth of expenses setting in a savings account somewhere. Um, but we can't get there until we have at least $1,000. So we got to start somewhere. Okay, so once we hit that six months savings. Yeah. So then... once we hit that six month, um, then yeah, we start paying ourselves. We start paying ourselves. Uh, we start... Um, I would like to see the six month in a in some type of very very liquid traditional savings account, whether it's an online savings account, um, a couple there are a ton of good ones out there. Um, I don't know if you can mention companies on your show or whatever, but there are a couple of good ones out there. If you need if you need recommendations, I can send you recommendations of online savings accounts that pay two two and a half percent, and they're out of sight out of sight out of mind. But they're also super liquid where you can have money in your hands within 48 hours. Okay. Um, so I think that's what we want to do with that six months, with that first six months. Once we got six months, then we want to start putting money away and kind of categorizing along with our goals. So if I got something that's going to take place within the next three to five years or so, I want it to being what I what I call a short-term investment vehicle, meaning uh, a mutual funds, um, 
stocks, funds, just kind of depending on your age, your portfolio, your goals, your risk tolerance, all that kind of stuff, which we are not like giving you personalized advice. That's kind of my personal little disclaimer. Mm -hmm. This is not advice. I'm not giving any of you guys advice. I don't know your personal situation, but kind of going there to be able to have our money somewhere that's going to keep up with inflation where we can, where, you know, I'm not just putting it away and I'm not earning anything on it. Mm. So the three to five year bucket goes into those kinds of financial vehicles. Those type of liquid financial vehicles where I can have easy access to it, but I also can earn money in the market uh, depending on what the market is doing. And we get into so, that after we've got the six months saved. Right. Only after we got the six months. I cannot tell you how many people call me and say, hey, JB, I want you to help me invest. You know, I got $2,000 and I need to know what to do with it. And da, 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 da. I'm like, hey, how much money do we have in our savings account? Nothing. How much money do we have in our checking account? Uh, a couple of hundred dollars. Well, we don't need to invest this money. This money needs to be a part of our emergency fund. Mm -hmm. You know, now investing is fun and exciting, sexy. Can I say sexy on this? I'm sorry. Um, it's all of that stuff. You really like but, numbers. What you say? I say you really like numbers, though. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, that those things are, 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 are fun. But if we don't have the basic foundational components in place, the only thing that's going to happen when we invest is that if we do run across a rainy day, we're going to get frustrated because now I have to stop my investing momentum that I've started and I got to take this money I've invested and use it to help me with my rainy day. And what happens if I don't have a savings account or anything and my rainy day would have happened last week? If you guys pay attention, the market got crushed last week. Mm -hmm. So not only would I have to have taken money out of the market, I would have had to take money out of the market at the absolute worst possible time. Mm. And I wouldn't have had any control over it. Mm. So put the foundational pieces in place first and then go out and start doing investing. Okay. So can you give us a real life example? How does this come into play? Can you paint a picture? Can you give us a real life example of what these like foundational steps can do? Yeah, exactly. So real life example, um, I think for, for developing that budget, how many of you guys actually review your bank statements every month? Is there any hand that go up? Uh, I can a third of us. People in front of me. A third of us. Mm -hmm. A third of you? Mm -hmm. Okay, so one practical example is actually reviewing your bank statement every single month. And I would challenge everybody to do it. Review your bank statement every single month or better yet, go back six months. Go back six months, review your bank statements and itemize how much money you spent in every different line item, whether it's eating out, whether it's gas, whether it's groceries, clothes, bills, whatever, go through that bank statement. And that's what we're actually going to find, what I like to call our, our lost cash. Mm -hmm. That's what we find where we, where we have what's our pit. And everybody has a money pit. And that money pit is the, the place where your money tends to end up uh, when it doesn't go directly towards your bills and you have no clue where it went. Typically, mm -hmm. it fell in your pit. Mm -hmm. For some people, that pit is Starbucks. For some people, it's eating out. For some people, it's movies, drinking with the girls, whatever the case might be. But we all have our pit. 
mine is yeah. oh, go ahead. Mine is food in general. Like groceries yeah, so, that end up getting thrown away and restaurant food because I was eating out and therefore didn't eat the groceries that I bought. And if I'm not careful, it. I'll spend a thousand dollars easily in a month on food. That's it. So once you've identified that, that money pit, now Candace has identified a thousand dollars that's going into her money pit every mm -hmm. single month. And now we begin to put a hard fix in on that money pit. And we say, you know what? I'm not going to throw away a thousand dollars every month. We're going to cut that in half. You might you might start off in half, and if you want to be more aggressive, you can cut it down even further. But you say, hey, my budget for eating out, groceries, everything this month is five hundred dollars or one hundred and twenty-five dollars a week. I cut it down to seventy dollars a week. Seventy dollars a week I can handle. Forty dollars to the grocery store, and then thirty dollars to eating out, which means I can only eat out once or twice a week. Awesome. And, and so that that's what you do. You make that adjustment. You you start applying. Now I'm going to apply this $70. I was being generous. I said $125. She's more stern and strict than I am. <laughs> so $70 a week. $70 a week. This mm -hmm. is going to be what used to be my money pit. You're going to make a commitment that this is not going to be my money pit anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not enough just to say this won't be my money pit. We have to have an actual plan for what we're going to do with the rest of it. So whereas I was spending upwards of $200 a, a week, now I'm only going to be doing 70. This is my plan for the other. I'm going to put this towards debt. Am I going to put this towards savings? And where you are individually should dictate that. If you don't have any debt, then it should go towards saving and investing. If you have a ton of debt, depending on the interest rates and stuff like that, it probably should go towards debt. But we make a decision then Here's where that money's going to go. Uh, if you don't have basic foundational things in place, as far as um, as much as the IRS will legally allow you to protect in your income from long-term disability, if you don't have that amount, that amount of long-term disability, that needs to be something that you need to consider. If you don't have the right amount of life insurance, that needs to be something you consider with that excess funds. And once you've done those things, and once you have uh, that $1,000, uh, again, I'm a huge fan of, of income. And so, which I think a lot of you guys are too. <laughs> I'm a fan of income. So I wouldn't recommend just going straight through trying to get six months worth of income instantly. If we, if we got that $1,000 emergency fund, I would challenge you to, and, and, and Candace may share this with y'all, uh, she may have shared this with y'all, but the next step for me on that list, uh, that third step, is creating a muse. Create something that will generate income for you while you're sleeping. Mm. Create something, whether it's your own online store with your works or the works of art that you've already done, your writings, whatever, whatever that looks like. Even if it's something that you're totally not even into, like even if it's something that you could care less about. Uh, I just did a partnership last week with a company in Spartanburg, South Carolina. We're about to release our first line of T-shirts. Do I care about the T-shirt business? No, it's another muse for me. It's another way where while I'm resting, while I'm sleeping, people can start purchasing uh, T-shirts with these really neat, 
uh, financial sayings and quotes that I say. A lot of people's like, oh, JB, I like I like that. You said that. That was cool. So I'm putting them all on T-shirts. Hmm. And so while I'm resting, while I'm working, while I'm doing the stuff that I normally do, people can be buying my T-shirts. So whatever that is for you or whatever it looks like for you, create a muse. And then that, that does two things. Number one, it's going to give us more resources to then save and invest. And number two, it's actually going to force us to take an idea to really be intentional on taking a random idea and, and seeing how can we monetize it. The hardest part about making money is getting people to make that first non-traditional dollar. Hmm. Getting you to make that first non-traditional dollar, that first entrepreneurial dollar, that first out-of-the-box dollar is the hardest dollar to make. But creating a muse is going to A, bring more income in, but B, and probably more importantly, it's going to get you accustomed to being paid for your creativity. Mm. And once we've done that, we can go to step four, which is investing and, and, investing and growing. Mm. Now we can start to invest the money. Now we can start putting money in the market and mutual funds and stocks and bonds and all of this stuff. We can start having fun, real estate investing, all of this stuff. We can start learning how to do those things. And I tell people to be as creative and do as much as you can in the beginning and see what's work, see what works for you and find out what you thoroughly enjoy. You know, for some people that might be real estate, for some folks that might be the stock market, for some people it might be precious metal, it might be art, works of art, whatever that is, the fifth step is going to, we're going to take whatever we like and whatever's working and we're going to duplicate and accelerate that method. Okay. We have a question. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Okay. It's about a spending plan. So, one of the reasons this person hasn't been able to stick with one is because she hasn't found a good system. Okay. Okay. So, this the system. Um, what system do you use to record? I actually forgot to print something off for you guys, but I, I did print out some some resources for recording. For me, I've used Mint before, and that's failed me. I'm sorry. I don't I don't mean to talk bad about any company. I recommend all companies and no companies at the same time. But um, I've used apps before, and they fail me because I never have to look at it. If I want to ignore it, I can, and it can ping me, and I can just like ignore the notification. But the way, when I started with JB a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, um, I started hand recording my expenses on my wall. And I have a, I should have printed it out for you, but I can pull it up and show it to you after he, he hops off. And it makes me so every, so it's kind of a like, if I'm going to spend this, now I have to, first of all, I have to spend it in cash. If I'm really on top of my game, I'm using cash. And then secondly, I have to also write it down and those making it not easy to spend in that way made me aware of the money that I was that was going out because I had to take two steps to spend it every single time. But JB, I mean, I know that's like a, a process that might not work for everybody. It's, it's, it's so crazy because there are a million different apps and budgeting apps out there. The people that I found are the most successful are the folks who actually write it down. Mm. Uh, there's, I don't think there, I don't think anything beats for me personally. 
nothing at all beats a good old fashioned check registry and doing a reconciliation every Saturday. Ooh. And it's 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 archaic, Candace. Don't judge me. I judge you all the time. It's archaic, but here's mine right here. Oh, you have yours with you in the car? I have it with me everywhere. It's right here. I'd go nowhere without it. Wow. Okay. I reconcile mine at the end of the month. I but like as I add the numbers, I kind of like can see if I'm over an amount for a certain category, like gas or restaurants or food or whatever. Um, so you can, it kind of, you can kind of all eyeball it and just be like, oh, I already spent $20 twice. I know what that is. Yeah. And if, and, and if you're having real trouble, so when I first started, I started doing this and being intentional about my budgeting um, a little over nine years ago. Um, and that's a conversation for a whole nother day, but I completely hit rock bottom, pretty much lost everything. And I was like, okay, this is not going to be the way that I go out. Like, I'm going to learn everything I can about money. I'm going to, yeah, this, this is not going to be my plight. And so I started tracking and writing every single thing. And when I started doing that, um, I used, I, I use, uh, Excel a lot. I use my check registry. I use Excel. Um, I used to use um, my own little, before I actually started setting up different budgets, I used the envelope envelope system. I don't know if anybody's ever used that before or ever heard of it before, but that was really, really helpful in helping me make this an actual habit. So just for people who don't know, the envelope system is you like, allocate your budgetary items by category and you put that cash in an envelope right and you just spend out of that envelope yep yep you take you put it in the envelope and you take it out that envelope and when the envelope's empty the answer is no hey you want to go out for drinks no want to go out <laughs> to eat no 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 hey you want to meet me across town if the gas envelope is empty and your tank is empty no right right so what I find is that whenever I'm like really um, aware of my budget, it makes me more conscious of the things that actually bring me happiness. And I spend it on the things that bring me happiness instead of the things that I, I can just spend it on. Like how many times can you eat at the, the corner bodega? Like none of that stuff is really great. <laughs> That's the point of it all. So we have another question. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So this person has a question about uh, being an artist, especially an artist who uses physical materials. So I'm a writer and I don't really use the physical materials, but running the, the business of being an artist should that be a separate budget? And my answer for that is yes. Like I, I told you guys last um, that my investment vehicle is real estate and I do have a separate budget for that. I have a separate budget for my nonprofit and then I have a budget for myself. And like if those monies mix, even in the same account, like things get really confused, right? Yeah, that should be a totally separate uh, budget, separate account, everything. 
so you can see exactly, hey, how profitable is this thing? Um, not only how profitable is it, but you can actually see, hey, how much does it cost me to, to, to bring my visions to life? Like, how much does is it costing me to actually do this? Um, because a lot of times we end up self-funding, and that's okay. If we're going to self-fund, um, you can do that, but you need to know, like, you need to make a transaction from your personal account to your business account or your art supply account, but it needs to be totally separate, totally separate entity. And if you do not have a business wrapper around your art, um, so if you if you are a sculptor, if you are a painter, if you are a writer, there should be a business arm to what you do if you don't have one. And even if you don't think you have a business, you do have a business. And you need to have a business arm around it because that way we can actually, if we're losing money, we can, um, we can, we can wrap it up in the business side of things. And for a few years, we can write those losses off until we start being profitable. Mm. Okay. Another question. Would it help to become an LLC or an S corp or a C corp or what? Uh, yeah, so that's going to depend solely on your particular type of business, but yes, that will help. That's what I'm. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Having some form of corporation, a LLC, a LLP, a C corp, S corp, and you definitely want to talk with your um, talk with your CPA about that before you make that decision. And if you uh, don't have an actual CPA that you work with, then you need to find one <laughs> um, because they'll be able to help you with that. Um, and start treating it up. what I found is a lot of times and this is not just an artist deal this is artists this is all creative this is entrepreneurs uh, because I consider my uh, entrepreneurs and, and artists are a lot alike they're really creative people mm. and a lot of times we have great ideas but we have horrible follow-through you know we're great at what we love doing so we're great at the artwork we're great at running the business but we have to take a moment to take a step back sometimes. And sometimes we have to slow down before we speed up and get our affairs in order, set up that LLC, set up that limited partnership, whatever we're going to set up, and really create this thing into an entity. Because if we're saying that we, we're artists, we're not, we're not doing I don't think I'm talking to a room full of people who are doing art as a hobby. Mm -mm. So you're either going to treat your art like a business or it's going to become a larger and larger hobbies. And hobbies cost us money, they don't make us money. You're listening to Invest Like an Artist, and here's a creative tip from... Sophie Goldstein. What's your medium? I'm a cartoonist and I mostly do graphic novels. Um, I have a book out with fan graphics called House of Women and one with Ad House called The Oven. And in February, I have a new book coming out called An Embarrassment of Witches uh, with my co-author Jen Jordan, and that is coming out from Top Shelf Productions. February of 2020. 2020. Yeah. What's your tip? Uh, so I was in a professional workshop uh, a couple years back and they suggested keeping a separate bank account for all of your business transactions. Um, so it was pretty easy for me because I already had a separate, a couple different bank accounts that just through life. So I just took one um, and I designated that as my business account. Um, I deposit 
all of the my professional checks that I get from my work in that account. And then uh, I took a credit card that I had, and that credit card is attached to that account. And any and that's the I don't carry a debit card. I just have that credit card. And anytime I have a business expense, be it materials or dinner or flight or travel, I use that credit card. So when it comes uh, time to do taxes and I'm trying to tally up my expenses, I only have to look in one place. Um, and it just keeps things really clean and simple. And then when I need money to pay rent and stuff, I transfer money out of that uh, professional bank account into my personal account. Um, so it keeps everything separate and easy. Where can we find you? My website is redinkradio.com. That's R-E-D-I-N-K radio.com. Yes. Cool. While we've got your attention, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to like and or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. It'll help us get the word out to other creatives and give them the information they need for the life that they want. Um, so how do we know if we have enough disability insurance or enough life insurance? How, what is a good way to measure that? So easy. Um, both of those are kind of quick, easy rule of thumb. Number one is, believe it or not, the government will not allow you to be overinsured. Mm. Okay? So you can't be overinsured. So I tell people with disability, uh, to me, again, every advisor is created differently. Disability, in my opinion, is the most important of the insurances outside of health, uh, even more important than life insurance. Um, because if I'm disabled, I'm still alive. There's no lump sum cash coming in and all of my expenses are going up mm. and there's no more money coming in. Mm. So with disability, you want the maximum legal amount that uncle Sam will allow you to have. What is that? That typically it's, it's different for every single profession, which is so that's so trifling, but it's different for every profession. Um, but it ranges on average for creatives that'll be an average of somewhere between 85 to 88% of your annual salary. Okay. And then another question. Will any company, uh, far, oh. will any company insure for disability people that use athletic Say that again. Will any company insure people who work uh, athletically, who do things with their bodies? With so not not any company. There's only a few. There's only a few that will ensure um, if that athletic is if it's tennis, um, golf. There's like one more. Um, most of the companies will insure you. Anything outside of that, I almost have to almost 100% go with Lloyd's of London, um, and there are a couple others that that will as well. What about dancers? Um, dancers, there are, there are some folks that will, that will insure you. Not a, not a lot. I can count on my hands, the companies that will, um, and I can make sure you get all that information, Candace, so you can share with those dancers, the, the companies that will do that. Okay. Okay. Um, so. Dancers, models are the same way. Dancers and models are kind of the same category. Huh. Interesting. Okay. So. And, oh, I'm sorry. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. I want to say this too. And with life insurance, 
um, the rule of thumb is you want to have um, at least 10 to 12 times your annual income. At least 10 to 12 times your annual income for life insurance. Um, there's a more specific way to calculate the exact need um, that I would um, I would challenge you guys. I would challenge you guys to um, to think to just have a conversation with the financial professional to see exactly what your need is. But as a rule of thumb, 10 to 12 times your income is going to be the um, the going to be the best the the best the best route. And I'm sorry, y'all. I got I got little ones getting in the car in the back. So if y'all hear some noise, please forgive me. <laughs> so um, what are some rules to thrive by? If you had to break down a, a few rules that we need to know in order to thrive, what would those be? Um, my number one rule would be um, get started. My grandmother used to always say, don't put off for tomorrow what you can do, do today. Today is the very best day to start changing your financial picture. Okay. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Today is the very best day. And I would challenge you to get started uh, regardless, even if you feel like you can't afford to, even if you feel like, well, you know, the, the thing that I hear from time to time is, well, if I save, you know, I'm going to have to pull it right back out because I'm not where I want to be yet. Who cares? Put it in there and pull it out if that's what you have to do. But the number one thing is start right now. Don't put it off. Get started. Um, the other thing that I would say is oftentimes, and I've been there myself, so this is, again, this is a none, no judgment zone. I've been there, done that. Oftentimes, we will spend we will spend on what we want and beg for what we need. Mm. Don't get into the habit of spending for what we want and begging for what we need. Mm. Be intentional. Be intentional. Um, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to sacrifice. And when I say sacrifice, I don't mean, you know, sacrifice to save more than what you should or sacrifice to do X, Y, Z. But don't 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 be afraid to sacrifice from the standpoint of um, embracing this concept of delayed gratification. You know, invest in you, invest in yourself, invest in your business, invest in your skill, invest in your craft. And understand that the resources that are coming to me is is, is is seed. So I grew up in a rural country town in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, and we had to spend our summers growing crops and, 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 and corn and watermelon and peaches and all of this stuff and hunting quail and all of that. Well, guess what? If we took all of our seed that we had and fed it all to the hogs or fed it all to the chickens, we never would have been able to produce a harvest. Like, yeah, we had to give some of it to the hogs and some of it to the chickens, but you don't want to eat all of your seed. And the funds that you have coming in, I want you guys to start viewing those. Joshua? I'm sorry, y'all. I want you to start viewing those, those uh, funds that you have coming in as seed and not just random dollars. And so if y'all can view them as seeds, I'm going to step out the car because he just got in the car. But if you can view those as seeds and not random dollars, then you don't have to worry about, um, you don't have to be as wasteful. And you know that, hey, I'm actually putting something back. I'm actually reinvesting in myself. Um, the last things that I would say is what we started with. Invest in yourself, create the proper mindset, 
And don't, don't, I'm trying to think the best way to say, don't be a half, don't, don't halfway go at, at this thing called artistry. If you're going to do it, commit to it, be fully committed to it and go all in for it. Like, don't, you know, I don't think, you know, you're not, if you're in that room, you are an artist. You know, you're not a part-time artist. You're not gigging. You're not doing that. If you're sitting in that room and you're watching this, you are an artist. So be an artist. Don't halfway do it. Be excellent at your craft. Uh, be excellent at your craft and give everything you got every day that you get an opportunity to do what you do. I want to ask a question about fun versus sacrifice. Because you said earlier that you incorporate fun into the spending plan, but you yep. also said you have to be willing to sacrifice. Can you talk yep. more about that? Yeah, I think that's real simple. You got to be able to limit the amount of fun. You know, I can't just be all about fun, 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 fun. I have to limit the amount of fun that you, that I can have. And as my budget grows, as my debt decreases, as my cash flow increases, I can increase the fun. But I want to have fun, but I want to be disciplined in that fun, and I want to limit that fun uh, to a manageable amount to where my, my goals can grow and I can be impactful in the things that I'm trying to do. Love you more. So the final, I got three more questions for you. No, that's good. We're good. Uh, what's one thing that we can do today? One thing you can do today. Today on a it, Sunday. One thing that you can do today, Sunday, is to, number one, open up a savings account. If you don't have one already. If you do have one, um, put something in it. If you avail, I don't care if it's $5, $10, whatever. So open up a savings account, put, put savings in there today. Second thing that you can do today is take time to intentionally create uh, or, or at least think through uh, your muse. Well, even before we get to musing, I'm sorry, before we even get to musing, you are all artists. So do you all have a, 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 a social presence, social media presence that you're proud of, that people can find your artwork? Yeah, I think most people here do. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So today, you can take one thing that you've done, that you've created, one thing, and create a strategy to monetize that one thing. Create a strategy to monetize that one thing today. And then promote that on your site. Okay. What's one book we should read to understand this these financial foundations better? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, there, I hate I hate to do it. There's three that okay. I that I would challenge you to, and I'm sorry, I know you asked for one, mm -hmm. but there's three that I would read like yesterday. Um, one is the magic of thinking big, because I really do think that that is again with entrepreneurs, with artists, that's a huge roadblock for many of us to cross is really, really thinking big and thinking that we actually deserve to be successful. Mm -hmm. So the magic of thinking big, the number two is I would say the one thing, mm -hmm. the one thing and, and it gets us focused on what's the one thing that you can do that you can actually control. Because a lot of times we try to do a lot of hoping and wishing and all this kind of stuff. But what's the one thing that you can, that you can control that can move the needle on your business, on your art, on your notoriety? What, what's that one thing for you that you can do? For me, personally, the one thing in my, in my profession that I can control is um, actually how many people I introduce myself to, which sounds crazy, 
but I, I'm the crazy guy who literally walks around introducing myself. I, the more people I introduce myself to, the more people I call, the more impact I can have in the community, the more people I can help, which in turn allows my business to take care of me and my family. So the one thing I control is that every single day I'm going to do two things. Number one is I'm going to introduce myself to 10 brand new people that I did not know before. Every single day, seven days a week, I do that every single day. I'm going to purposely introduce myself to 10 new people. And I've done the math now for six years. If I introduce myself to 10 people, three of them will actually agree to have a conversation with me about what I do. And one of those will actually become my client. So I introduce myself to 10 people every single day, every single day. So, hey, guys, my name is Javertis Burnett. I am a financial representative. <laughs> so if you want to have a conversation with me and help build a written plan, I would love to talk to you guys. All right. Um, that's the plug for today. I um, do want to say before you go on, I think it's interesting that your your success rate is 10 percent. And if we had a success rate of 10 percent in school, they would have like we wouldn't have even been able to make it to the remedial precisely. classes. But, that's what I tell you. Like, I just fail more than everybody else do. Like, that's the only reason I'm successful. Like, I fail a lot. So I got a 10 percent success rate. OK. And I've been in business for myself since October, to, October the 5th, 2012. OK, I can match that. 10%. With the best success rate. And I mean, there are people who are way better than me who have to talk to less people than I do, but I'm, I, I'm, you know? So I do that every single day. The other thing I do is I control how many people I call. So five days a week, five days a week, I make a minimum of 40 phone calls every day. So from 8.30 to 10 a.m. every single morning, I'm on the phone. I'm calling people. So those are the things that I can control. I can't control who answered. I can't control who says, hey, let's meet. I can't control who says, hey, I got this investment account I want to open. I can't control any of that stuff. But those two things I can control. I'm going to introduce myself to 10 people every day, and I'm going to make at least 40 phone calls every single day, five days a week. Okay. And I'm going to introduce myself to 10 people. So those are, those are some things. And then the last book would be um, the, the, the uh, four-hour work week. Mm. The four-hour work week. You're not going to say anything about that book? I love it. It's amazing. You just got to read it. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, where can we, where can we find you? What's your, how do you want to be contacted? Uh, the best way to be contacted, Candice will give you guys my email address and my cell phone number. I already um, did. It's printed out process. on the agenda. I didn't ask What's permission. That? I didn't ask permission, but I already printed your email address out on the agenda. So. You've never asked for my permission for anything. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so so my email address, put on uh, my cell phone number. Uh, I am on Facebook. Um, the question I asked you guys earlier, the reason I asked if you had something, social media for your business that you were proud of, you wanted people to see, all the rest of my stuff I'm not proud of and I don't want anybody to see. So I just, I took it all down and I'm revamping it. I have another company that's redoing everything. So I'm on Facebook and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm on both of those pretty regularly. So Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Candice will give you my email address and my cell phone number. Okay. Um, do we have more final questions? I do have yes. Questions. Yeah. Um, so, as an artist, you think I've really struggled with as far as building a budget goes. Never knowing what my income Okay. How do we build a budget when our income is sometimes unpredictable? Always, always unpredictable. Always unpredictable. Okay. So, that's a great, great, great question. So, Here's the thing, and, I, and, and if you don't hear anything else, I'm glad you asked that question. 
So my income has been 100% commission since October 5th, 2012. Okay, so I'm 100% commission, no salary, no base, no nothing. And so here's what you have to do as soon as you can. Uh, for me, I started with my break-even number. Uh, Stephen Covey and his seven habits of highly effective people said one of those habits is that we need to begin with the end in mind. So each of you should know your break-even number. And that break-even number is this is the minimal amount that I need to make and bring home every month just to, 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 to thrive and keep the lights on, pay the bills, eat a couple of noodles and rice or whatever the case might be. So you need to know your break-even number. And I would take that break-even number, add 10% to it, again, so that you can pay yourself 10%, and I would let that be my baseline goal. And so every single month, every single month that you have success in excess of that number, in excess of that number, put all the excess back into, into um, a savings account, into something that's connected with the business. And all of this should be in the business account as well, starting out. And then we keep doing that until we get to the point to where we have at least six months worth of our income in our business surplus account or our business checking account. And then we can put ourselves just on a salary. So you might say, okay, I want to make, I want to make myself my break even plus 25%. Now I have a, a, a bucket of dollars to do that, and I start paying myself out of that bucket, and anything that you're making now, you're not taking any of that stuff home. You're paying yourself a set salary from the bucket of resources you already had. So if you got six months where I can just go out here, grind, work, grind, work, grind, work, and not have to worry about um, the money that's going to pay my income, then you can get in the habit where you can actually just create that salary and you'll be able to treat yourself as an employee and be on payroll. Now that becomes easier once you actually set up your business account and set up your business entity and put yourself on payroll. I hope that was helpful. We got some amens. Um, any other questions? I don't want to let him go. If and until have. you get to that point where you have the six months sitting in, in the savings, you just you just you you're just getting it. You're just you're 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 grinding. Okay. Mm -mm -mm. Uh oh, did I lose you? No, no. Um. Any other questions? Do you have a strategy for paying down debt? Do you have What's your have debt pay down strategy for my debt pay down strategy? I will email this to Candice. Um, but my debt pay down strategy is really really simple. Some people argue back and forth between do I want to do debt snowball or, or the avalanche method or all this kind of stuff. And the snowball is, of course, when you start um, with the smallest debt and you add those payments down to the debt or what you've been paying off. And the avalanche is kind of doing the opposite or some type of combination of the two. What I've found and what worked for me is organizing it by um, interest rates. So um, really quick, the, 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 the speed version of it is anything that has an interest rate of less than 7%, so 0 to 6.99%, um, not in a hurry to pay that stuff off, all right? So I'm paying the minimums on all of that stuff. Now, let me let me preface this. I start with the highest payment, so let me start the other way. If it has 10% interest or higher, and I'm paying 70% of my disposable income towards the debt, and then saving and investing 30% of my disposable income. So 
for easy numbers, if I have $100 disposable income, I'm putting $70 towards the debt, $50 towards, the, uh, towards saving and investing um, for any debt that's over 10% interest, 10% or more. Once I've paid those things down, and I'm paying them absolute minimums on everything else, once I pay those, those debts down, anything from 7% to 9.99%, I'm going to pay 50-50 of my disposable income. So $50 go, if I had $100 disposable income, $50 would go towards the debt, $50 would go towards the savings. Once I pay those debt off, those debts off, then I come to the ones that have 0 to 6.99%, and I'm putting 70% of of that money towards saving and investing. So I'll put $70 to saving and investing and $30 towards paying off the debt. And the thought process there is if the market, the average, the 20 year average for the stock market ranges between, just depending on um, which index you look at, ranges between eight and a half to 9%. So years where the market did more than 10% are, are very, very rare. Did 10% or more are very, very rare. So most years, um, well, except for the last couple of years that we've had, we've been in a, a market that's been killing it for 11 years straight, which is crazy. That's another conversation. But on average, it is, it's going to be hard to do over 10%. So if I'm paying 10% in interest, I'm saving more money by paying the debt off than I would be by taking the money and investing it in the market. So any, any interest over 10%, let's pay that stuff off as aggressively as possible. The 50-50 for anything 7 to 9.9, because that's about the average in the market, which means some years I'm going to do better in the market, some years I'm going to do better paying debt off. And then the debt less than 7%, we're almost going to do always, always do better than that in the market. So I can pay off this huge student loan or pay off this mortgage or whatever the case might be, but every extra dollar I'm putting towards that, I'm losing opportunity costs to have my money, making more money for me in another fashion if I invested it. And then I can use the earnings from my investment to pay down the debt. So that's my quick kind of overview. But to, in order to see what would be actually best for you, we have to actually see what what is going on, what's available. And um, before I would be able to make a, a qualified recommendation for which is going to be the best route for you to take. So and anybody that that's on this call, I will I'll do free consultations and build a free written financial plan for any of you guys that won't work. So the okay. So that that was a lot of numbers. So any interest rate over ten percent, you you hop on aggressively. Any interest rate between seven and nine percent, let's say you. What, where does the saving, the emergency fund come into play? If you're still building your emergency fund um, and you have a 10% credit card or something like that, 10% or higher. So what now? If you have a 10% or higher credit Hello? card debt. You can hear me? Can you hear me? Say that, say that again. I, I, I can't. Okay. I think we might be delayed. I have delayed. to get back in the, in the car. Oh. Like this okay. So if you have a 10% or higher credit card debt and you are still building uh -huh. your emergency savings fund, how do you prioritize the debt and the savings in that situation? Because before you were mentioning savings and investing together, but right. that's not always the case. You can't invest if you don't have your emergency fund. No. So none of this, none of this stuff happens without the, none of this stuff happens without the, um, 
without the thousand dollars. So we don't do nothing. We pay minimums on everything until we get thousand dollars. Oh, okay. Pay minimum on that until you get a thousand dollars saved, and then once you have minimum on everything until we get at least a thousand dollars. Because what's going to happen if I don't have at least a thousand dollars? And again, like I said, I've lived it. If I don't have at least a thousand dollars. When I need a tire, when I need anything, when something, the kids need something for school, it's all an emergency. Okay. Okay. So they'll do anything before we get the thousand dollars, and you implement this strategy once you have a thousand dollars. That's how I, um, that's how I recommend saving the additional. So get into that other six months. But we're doing seventy thirty. If it's ten percent or more, seventy percent of my discretionary goes towards the debt. Thirty percent goes towards the savings. Until that debt is paid off. And what percent of the entire income is discretionary or disposable? So, it, in a perfect world, we've been living off of sixty to seventy percent of our total income. But if that's not your reality right now, you have to decide what's that is, what that is after you compare your fixed and your variable expenses. So, in, the way that we will find out what is our discretionary income will be: we'll take all of our number one, we take our income. And we list out our income. And I try to, um, I tell all my clients to list it out how you get paid. So if you get paid every week, list out income every week. You get paid every two weeks, bi-weekly, whatever the case, once a month, lay it all out. Then list out on one, on one side all of your fixed income. I mean, all your fixed expenses. And on the other side, all of your variable expenses. And we're simply just going to make those calculations. And anything that we have left over, that's what we're going to be willing to pay. Um, so when you do your expenses, put the minimums for all of your debt. So put the minimum due for all of your debt. Then we're going to take that amount left over. And after we after we pay ourselves, so we're treating ourselves like a bill. So that whole 10% we talked about up front, we're treating that like a bill. Mm. And whatever is left over is our discretionary income. Okay. We if we don't have a number already, um, in a perfect world, we'll be living off seventy percent of our income. We'll be putting ten percent uh, to ourselves. And when I say living off seventy percent, that means fun, entertainment, everything. Um, we'll be living off seventy percent. We'll put ten percent um, to ourselves, paying ourselves. Um, and then I challenge everybody to be uh, to be community to, to be involved in the community. So I challenge everybody to give another 10%. If you listen to all the most successful people in our country, in our society, they're all giving to nonprofits, organizations, the universities, faith-based organizations, whatever. I don't care who you give to, but giving another 10% there and then uh, reinvesting in you with that last 10%. Reinvesting in you, your business, um, what, you, what you need. So, And if you're not there yet, Striving, be striving to work, work towards that point, and until you get there, it's just hey, all of my expenses, all of my expenses minus my income, and if in the event that your expenses are more than your income, we got two choices. We got two choices. We can either increase our income, which is not always that easy, or we can uh, we got to find out what we can cut back, what we can cut out, and most of the time, it's the variable. The variable expenses are where we're going to have the most flexibility to cut back um, and to, to, to kind of find some wiggle room to help us uh, with our cash flow.
JB, thank you for taking time out on a Sunday. Did he freeze? No problem, guys. Great meeting y'all. Have a wonderful day. Okay, you too. For more helpful discussion of finances for artists, please visit us at www.investlikeanartist.com. This episode of Invest Like an Artist was recorded in the Flyloft Rehearsal Space in beautiful downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma. This podcast was produced by me, Carl Antonowitz. Our music was also produced by me, Carl Antonowitz. Please visit me at www.cantocomics.com. Disclaimer. Invest Like an Artist does not give finance, investment, tax, or legal advice. This is the start, not the conclusion, of your own due diligence. To read the full disclaimer, visit our website at investlikeanartist.com.